The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show here, hour number two of today's edition on this Thursday, March the 10th. It is 8.02 on your Tucson Thursday, and whether you're listening on the uh, AM side at 1490, on the FM side at 104.9, or if you've decided to listen via the live stream, which can be found on ESPNTucson.com, I appreciate you. Also, <clears throat> pardon me, if you, uh, <clears throat> if you need to uh, step away from the radio for a considerable amount of time and you want to just download the podcast and listen later you can always do that as well we usually have the podcast up within a couple three hours after the show is uh, after the show is over you can go to wherever you download your podcast you know amazon or apple music or stitcher tune in whatever uh you can find them there and download the podcast and listen at your leisure but regardless i appreciate you uh, choosing to listen to the jeff dean show for uh, whatever purposes it may be whether it's for news and information or for opinions or entertainment or whatever it happens to be i appreciate you and to show you some appreciation, I'm going to give you a chance to win some uh, Sammy Hagar tickets right now. Caller number three at 520-719-1490. That is 719-1490. Caller number three will win themselves some Sammy Hagar tickets to go see Sammy and George Thorogood at the Akchin Pavilion up here in Phoenix on September 7th. Should be a tremendous show. Uh, Sammy has a ton of hits outside of his time with Van Halen. And, of course, we all know George Thorogood, Bad to the Bone, uh, and other you know great blues rocking hits uh, from George Thorogood. So be caller number 3-719-1490. You can win those tickets right now. A pair of tickets to give away, and we'll have another pair to give away tomorrow. Should be, uh, should be a good, good, fun day, good fun Friday tomorrow. I think we've got a lot of stuff to get into. We'll be talking about a Wildcat victory, hopefully, uh, over Stanford and the Wildcats' next round matchup whomever that may be after the dust settles in Vegas today. But that will be decided on the court today and tonight, and we'll have uh, plenty of that for you tomorrow. Something else that was settled on the court last night, the Suns went into Miami against the Eastern Conference's number one team and walked away with a 21-point victory as they just absolutely destroy the Miami Heat. And when I say that, I mean in the fact that Miami came out completely on fire like just a house of flame they scored 25 points in the first six minutes of that game they were they were on track to score 200 points last night after the first six minutes 25 points in the first six i'm watching the game i'm like oh god we are going to get our doors blown off and you know look it's on the road, and, you know, we got blown out by Miami earlier this year. I think the Suns lost by 16 or 17 in their first game against Miami. Uh, maybe it's just a bad matchup. Maybe it's, you know, hopefully not, a, you know, a, a team that we'll see in the finals or something like that, you know, situation like that. And I'm just like, you know, Booker's back, no CP3. It's it's Devin's first game back after his, you know, corona, you know, whatever it was that he had. Um, he said he was asymptomatic, but he kept testing positive and whatnot, so who knows. But nonetheless – 25 points in the first six minutes is pathetic. And then the Suns cranked up the defense and just completely smothered the heat from there on out. Uh, I mean, it was – the rest of the way was a defensive clinic by the Phoenix Suns because the Miami Heat, in the final 36 minutes of that game, scored a grand total of 65 points. That is remarkable. Like, 
that's <laughs> that's that's what a really good team would do to a really bad team. Like you know, if you're playing Houston, unless you're the Lakers and give up uh, you know a slew of points in overtime and lose the way that they did, we'll talk about that. But that's that's what you do to teams like Houston or you know Detroit or something like that. You you, you just you just crush them. You know you just you hold them to you know seventy four total points and things like that. And you just give them no chance. Miami opened up a huge lead. They had a double digit lead in the first quarter, and the Suns were like, "Nah, it's okay. We got this." Monty Williams after the game, head coach Monty Williams said, "Quote: I told the guys that it was one of the best defensive performances I've ever seen, and I've been around for a little bit." And he was right. The defense was spectacular last night at every at every position. And I'll say this: I, I know that. I, listen, I'm just a big old homer here. I get it. I like DeAndre. I was on the road with DeAndre. You know, when I was broadcasting with uh, with with the Wildcats at the time, um, I got to know D. You know, he's 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 a great guy. He's a great young man. I love his passion for life, let alone his love for the game of basketball and his desire to win and his desire to be a great teammate uh, is, you know, is another, you know, great endearing quality of his. I'm telling you right now, his defense is, it's, it's otherworldly under, under Monty Williams, the way that his game has grown defensively is spectacular. I cannot say enough. You, you watch him play. And I know that Phoenix Suns fans they harp on him. They're like, he's seven feet tall, and he has a 41-inch vertical. Why does he only average 10 rebounds a game? Okay, listen, <laughs> you're not going to get everyone, especially the way that he plays defensively. He has a lot of other, uh, a lot of other um, assignments out there, okay, the way that the Suns use him defensively because they, they love his athleticism, his ability to get out there and use his athleticism defensively. He's, he's out there, you know, grabbing screens on screen and rolls against Steph Curry. Like, go get him. Okay. <laughs> like, there's – tell me another big man other than maybe Embiid who still even then chooses his moments of when he wants to play defense. Tell me another big in the league that uh, – maybe Rudy Gobert, who's the best defensive uh, best defensive uh, center in the league for, for sure and has been for quite some time. Other than Rudy Gobert, that a head coach would allow their big – to go out there and and run screen and rolls against Steph Curry, like go and defend that stuff. You don't see that. And last night, DeAndre's defense was. <laughs> I'm watching the game and I'm just like, he's the best defensive player on the court right now. Period. End of story. And he's one of the best big man defenders in the game. He just he doesn't get the credit for it, and I don't know when he'll start getting credit for it. I. I you know, I know he doesn't put up the numbers. He doesn't get a whole lot of block shots. He never has. He's not a he's not a not a shot blocker. He's not a Kim Olajuwon. But what he is is just a solid defender, point to point. He's a solid defender, twenty feet away from the basket. He's a solid defender, two feet away from the basket. He just gets the job done. Like that, the reasons the Suns continue to win games. Even they went three and one when they didn't have CP three and Booker. Why? Okay, Cam Johnson, it's a big shot against the New York Knicks. Yes, great shot. And uh, Mikel Bridges has stepped his game up, and during that time he was averaging more points, and they get campaign back, and he started shooting the ball well and, and, and you know, getting out there and, and running screen and roll, and he was getting some assists and stuff. But the one thing that stayed consistent was their defense. Why? 
because DeAndre Ayton is there anchoring that defense. He's so good, and I, I don't know how to explain it to people. Like I, I, I can try, I can try my best to tell people like how good he is, but unless you just know the game, you don't, like you don't see it. You talk to other people, you you read scouting reports, um, you read what GMs around the league say. All of them are like, dude, this guy, Ayton's defense, he's a problem. Like for our team, like he's a problem. Like they know, teams know that when you go play the Suns, that you have to try to score around DeAndre Ayton. You have to deal with that guy because he's so good. You have to figure out ways to put him in positions where he's uncomfortable. The problem is, Monty Williams has coached him up so well that he's comfortable on a guard. He's comfortable on a small forward. He's comfortable banging with a, uh, with a power forward or a center down low. Like, he's, he can do all of it. Like, he's so good. And then last night, he gets a double-double, 19 and 10, on 9 of 10 shooting. He's, he's extremely efficient offensively because he doesn't get the ball all that much. There's a lot of other players on the on the court, obviously, that, that want their shots. And without even without CP3 there running the pick and roll with him, he was able to get those off, and he was able to hit a couple, knock down a couple of jumpers last night. Had one turnaround, Jay, that looked nice. Like I mean, he's just he's he's turning into a complete player. The Suns haven't paid him. I don't know if they're going to. Not sure what their problem is, uh, but if if they're not careful, they're going to lose him. And <laughs> man, I just I, I it would it would drive me nuts as, as a fan of the Phoenix Suns for all of my life. You finally get a center that can defend and that is you know it can get double doubles and look when he's when he's 100% healthy he's a double double machine and when CP3's on the floor facilitating it's it's an easy easy double double for 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 Dre uh but like the Suns just continue to win now and they've clinched a playoff berth they were the first NBA team to do so this season with their win last night they, uh, according to uh, Basketball Reference, which you know, if if you don't go to the, if you don't know the reference sites, the you know insert sport here reference dot com sites, you're missing out. They're, they're, it's it's you get lost. I'm telling you, you get lost for two hours and not even realize it. According to Basketball Reference dot com, the Suns have a ninety nine point nine percent chance to be the number one seed in the West this year. <laughs> so basically. What are they? Oh, is there like 16 games left? I think something like that. 16 games left. They've got an eight and a half point lead over Memphis, a nine game lead over Golden State. Golden State's not playing good basketball right now. Memphis is a, you know, look, they're a scary team with John Morant, but when you get into the playoffs, especially against uh, an inexperienced team like Memphis, things change, right? Uh, so the Suns are in the driver's seat right now, and they're currently the favorite to win the title. They just finished a road, uh, you know, a road swing where they went in and they beat Milwaukee, they beat Miami, they beat the best of the of the Eastern Conference. Now there's going to be interesting matchups and whoever they whoever they end up playing in the Eastern Con, you know, in, in the NBA Finals if they happen to get there, it could be Miami, Boston could get hot, although I doubt it. Jason Tatum has been ridiculously on fire lately. Uh, you know, it could be uh, you know, like I mentioned, Miami, Milwaukee, Boston. I mean, people are like, "Oh, about the Nets." Okay, well, right now they're a game under five hundred. Like, what? Do you, okay, sure. Why not throw the Nets? Let's, let's throw the throw the Bulls in there. Let's throw the Cavaliers in there. Why not just throw everybody in there? It, it, it could be anybody coming out the East. But right now, the Suns are a force, and the fact that they're playing so well 
even without Chris Paul. They went 3-1 and one without Booker and Paul, which is remarkable to me. But uh, the, the fact that they're still playing well without Chris Paul, I'm not saying that it's, that it's they're, they're, oh, they're going to be fine without him. They're not going to be fine without him. They need him for that postseason run. But this is just going to be the right amount of rest for CP3. Now, it'll remain to be seen how his jump shot looks coming off of the surgery uh, you know, for this, you know, for this injury that he got here, but Suns, they, they play good enough defense. They're still, you know, one of the top three defensive teams in the league when it comes to just absolutely being able to lock down on defense. And they proved it last night. Now it goes back to a point that I made very, very early in the show when I was talking about the Arizona state Stanford game last night, Arizona state tried to secure a win by shooting themselves into into it like to, like basically trying to shoot themselves to victory, like they were they we're just going to play base defense. We're going to continue to do what we do, but we're going to continue to pour it on, and we're going to continue to try to outscore you. Well, the lid got put on the rim. Stanford locked up on defense, and Arizona State wasn't anywhere to be seen on the defensive side of the ball, and so Stanford made a sixteen to one comeback in the final three minutes of the game, win the game. Phoenix. When they were down, what were they down, 14, 13 or 14 early in that game, what did they do? They said, you're not going to score any more points tonight. Like, we're done, we're done giving up points to you guys. You give up 25 in the first six. We're going we're gonna to hold you to 65 over the next 36, which uh, you know, per, you know, per 48 minutes is a ridiculous number. I'm sorry, no, not 36, 42. What am I, my math is off. <laughs> the final 42 minutes of that game, they give up 65 points. Math is off. You guys probably realized that when I said it earlier. Uh, regardless, <clears throat> the Phoenix Suns said, you know, we're, we need stops to get back in this game. If, if we want to win this game, we need to get stops. Arizona State said, we need to keep scoring if we want to win this game. Folks, there are ways to lose games and ways to win games. And you saw both of them in effect yesterday. And that... And I'm, I'm not talking, this, is, this was not a one-off, this was not a unique situation for those teams. If you're a basketball team and you try to shoot yourself, essentially, to, to try to outscore the other team to the finish line, you may win one or two, but you're not going to be successful in the long run. You're, you're going to end up on the losing side of that, of that ticket probably twice as many times as you, get the, as you get wins. If you rely on your defense to get stops, that is how you win basketball games. The Phoenix Suns this year, okay, they are 13-13 and 13 on the season when trailing by double digits. Just let that, let that sink in for just a moment. Think about that. And maybe, and maybe I'm the only one that's like, damn, that's crazy. 13-13 and 13 on the season when trailing by double digits. It's, it's a remarkable number. It really is. I mean, basically all 13 of their games, they've trailed by double digits. They haven't, they haven't lost a close game this year. If they've lost, they've been blown out. And if you're blowing out the Phoenix Suns, you better be careful because the defense is coming. And once they lock in on defense, if they can start getting some, you know, getting some shots to fall and things like that, you're in trouble. They're going to come back on you. 13-13 is a remarkable record for being down by double digits. Like, that's, it's, it's a great number. Uh, they they would be let's see, they would be like the seventh team. I think I read this somewhere. What is that? Like they're like the seventh team in the last like fifteen years or something like that to finish with a five hundred record or better 
in games where they trailed by double digits. And f- uh, five of those teams, I think five of the seven teams, no, five of the six teams before the Suns this year will be, will be the team to do it. Five of those previous six teams all made the finals. So, like, it just shows you right there. Like, that's, that's what you need. That's, that's the magic elixir. And the Suns found a way to, uh, to get back in a game, and not only get back in a the game, they dominated the second half, and it was no contest at the end. It was, it was a runaway victory for the Phoenix Suns. So they continue to, uh, to play extremely well. They're dominating the West. They're dominating everybody. So Phoenix Suns continue to uh, dominate, and the Lakers continue to get the headlines because they continue to lose poorly. And I'll, I'll be honest, I, I, like, a buddy of mine from Los Angeles is like, oh, I don't know. I think Vogel's going to make it through this season. They're not going to fire the coach because then that's giving up on the season. After what we saw last night, I think Vogel's a dead man walking. I, 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 would, I would not be surprised if he's fired uh, 20 minutes after we sign off because that's usually what happens. <laughs> He'll be fired 20 minutes after we sign off. They lost to Houston last night in overtime, and it was ugly. Like It, it just wasn't a pretty scene there. Uh, the Lakers lose that game, and I'm not going to – I'm not going to say that I think LeBron is purposely trying to get Frank Vogel fired because LeBron is, you know, he's he's doing a lot of things, you know, by himself because that roster is absolutely terrible. But let's not forget that that's the roster that LeBron wanted. Like he was like, "Okay, I want you to I want you to bring me these guys so we can play with this group of guys." And it's just it's not worked out. And having LeBron as your GM has proven over the years that it doesn't work out. And now maybe he wants to be the head coach or something. I don't know, but nonetheless, like he's 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 going to get Frank Vogel fired. A couple of the turnovers in that game last night that he had was like, did he just throw that ball away on purpose? Like I don't want to say and you know assume that that's what's happening, but I was like, it looks it looked bad. Like he just you know he passed up a layup last night in overtime. Did you see that? He passed up a layup. He was going baseline for the layup and decided to kick it out, and then it went back around the horn, and then they got a, a, a shot clock violation. Like, bro, what's happening? Like, uh, is, is he is he trying to intentionally get Frank Vogel fired but still, you know, scoring, you know, 36 points a game doing it? I mean, that'd be very LeBron. You know, he's a very wise guy. He knows knows how to manipulate things. So, I don't know, man. That's uh, That's a strange one, but we'll see. All right, we're going to take a timeout. When we return, we'll talk some NFL as the Colts and the Commanders have agreed to a trade. We'll talk about that next here on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Congratulations to Ray Nunez. Ray Nunez was caller number three. He got himself a pair of tickets to go see the Red Rockers. Sammy Hagar alongside George Thorogood at the Akshin Pavilion on September 7th up here in Phoenix. Congratulations, Ray. Enjoy the show, and uh, thank you for listening. And, um, yeah, enjoy the show, man. All right, so NFL news. as We talk NFL here every single day on the Jeff Dean Show. That's my promise to you. The Colts and the Commanders, that's the Washington Commanders, the formerly known as the Washington football team, formerly known as the Washington Redskins, have agreed to a trade that would send Carson Wentz to D.C. 
and uh, and allow them to have their QB1, essentially, because Washington is definitely without a QB1 at this time. Talented roster, especially on offense. Terry McLaurin, one of my favorite uh, wide receivers in the league. Love that guy. Scary Terry. And, you know, they've got some other real weapons on offense, and they feel like it's time right now. They've got that defense that has superstars all over it and yet performed so poorly last year. So they need to turn that around as well. But they needed a quarterback, and they got one. I mean, Carson Wentz isn't, uh, like, you know, he's not the greatest thing since sliced bread, and there's obviously a reason why Indianapolis got rid of him. Now, you know, he's a guy with a lifetime, what is he, like four-to-one touchdown interception ratio, which is pretty darn good. Um, But the problem with, you know, with Carson Wentz, and we talked about it, during the season, you know, at the end of the season, was he? He just he just does dumb stuff that loses games for you. Like he does, he loses games for his teams, and you know he just continues to do dumb things. And um, you know the, the the Colts were just you know, like a guy like Frank Reich is not going to stand for that kind of stuff. So uh, they moved on from that. They're going to trade him to uh, to Washington for some draft picks. Now the Indianapolis Colts do not have a first round pick, so. You know, people are like, "Oh, it's going to be Jimmy Garoppolo to the you know to the Colts," and that makes a lot of sense. It really does. However, Jimmy G is tracking as you know someone who has value, you know, a first round pick value essentially. So the 49ers would most likely be looking for a first rounder and maybe a player or a third rounder in addition to a first rounder for Jimmy Garoppolo. Because that's that's the value that he has right now in this league. Carson Wentz, I think it's going to be like like a couple of third round picks or something, maybe a player, but it looks like it's going to be all picks. Um, I didn't really get a chance to look at it, the whole thing. I you know I just it's one of those things like okay fine you know now they have an opening. I'm more interested in who the Colts are going to fill in you know their quarterback spot with. And I mean the immediate reaction is Jimmy Garoppolo, and rightfully so. But again, like, like, what kind of assets do the Colts have that they can send to the 49ers? It, 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 it all sounds great, on, you know, it, when you when you put it together in your head, and you're like, God, Jimmy Garoppolo will be traded to the Colts. Then they'll have, uh, you know, a legitimate winning quarterback, a guy who can manage games. They've got a great running attack. Obviously, they've got the fantastic offensive line. They've got a couple of weapons on offense that he can deliver the ball to. Um, if they can get creative with, you know, with some of the, uh, you know, with some of the underneath schemes and allow guys to get yards after the catch, it's going to be brilliant. All that stuff is its all well and good. But remember, the 49ers are going to need something in return for their quarterback. So, you know, it's not just a said-and-done deal. Yes, it makes makes a lot of sense. But, again, the Colts without a first-round pick. The 49ers are looking for at least a first-round pick for Jimmy Garoppolo. So we'll have to see. We'll, we'll continue to wait and see what happens there. But, it, look, it makes sense for a lot of reasons. But what kind of assets do they have to send to the 49ers? Then, then I saw yesterday, this this made me laugh. Somebody had posted on Twitter. It, it, I don't remember what, which entity it was, which sports entity it was, and it was like it was asking people to now rank the NFC East quarterbacks. Like, okay, this is your chance to rank the NFC quarterbacks because it's got Dak Prescott, Jalen Hurts, Daniel Jones, and now Carson Wentz makes his return in a different uniform. And it made me think because you know just a couple of days ago we were doing this with the AFC West, and you're like, damn, man, that was like. Four incredibly good quarterbacks there. You got Patrick Mahomes, you got the young Justin Herbert, you got Derek Carr, and now you've got Russell Wilson going into the AFC West. You're like, man, that that, that division is just loaded with quarterback talent. And then, then they come out yesterday. It, remi- it reminded me, like, immediately in my head, 
you remember the video of that guy in Tucson at the um, like at that the, the, the like the town meeting or whatever that's just laughing at the people you know at the at the Trump supporters that were there and he's laughing at them and it's that it's that famous everybody's seen the guy just laughing hysterically at these people right like I that video immediately jumped into my head when I saw this all right let's rank the NFC East quarterbacks I'm like okay <laughs> let's do it Dak Prescott number one and anyone else could be number two literally like anyone else could go into that division right now and be the number two quarterback. It's still not great. Like, Washington got themselves Carson Wentz. Good. It's an upgrade from what they had. Tyler Heineke and, and Fitzmagic. Okay, cool. Uh, it's still Carson Wentz. And we know what happens. Like, you know, he's obviously got some athletic talent. He's been injured a lot, and he makes a lot of mistakes. Like, does just makes boneheaded decisions. Daniel Jones, whom I am still scratching my head as to how he was a first-round draft pick. And Jalen Hurts, and I like Jalen Hurts. Like I, I think Jalen Hurts is a very solid football player. He's a solid human being, solid football player. He's not going to get you to a Super Bowl. He's just not. He's he's not. Again, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out my you know my bias or my anti bias, I guess, against you know run not even run first. He's not a run first quarterback, but you know the Lamar Jackson type, the Jalen Hurts, the Michael Vick types. He, he's they're just not. They're not going to get you through a season to a Super Bowl. They're just they're exposed too much to the to the defensive elements, and they're exposed too much because they're just not great pocket passers. Great pocket passers are who gets the Super Bowls, not scrambling, run first option guys. It just doesn't happen. And I like Jalen Hurts. I think Jalen Hurts did a, did a fine job. But Philadelphia, it, it would be an immediate upgrade for Philadelphia if they got themselves a quality pocket passing quarterback. That's just that's just the way it is. All right, we're going to take a timeout when we return. More from the NFL after this on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Well, there's another rumor out there regarding the Colts, and that could be that they're trying to swing a trade with Minnesota for Kirk Cousins. Again, a quarterback that would require at least one first-round pick, in my opinion. Uh, you know, I'm not a a, a, a a personnel evaluator, you know, evaluation kind of guy that knows what the value of, of a player is. I felt like the, the Russell Wilson trade was pretty uh, pretty reasonable. I thought that was pretty fair, I think, for both sides. And I think a fair deal for either a Kirk Cousins or a Jimmy Garoppolo would be a first-round pick. And <laughs> it just goes to show you what the, the quality of, of people, you know, how people feel about Carson Wentz, where he's going to be traded for two third-round picks and a seventh-round pick. Like, that's that's what he's getting. And this is a guy who was – Starting and, and makes what twenty two twenty three million dollars a year something like that so okay and you know Jimmy Garoppolo for all of his transgressions right he uh, he's been known for throwing an uncatchable ball uh, you know his his ability to throw screen passes is atrocious I, mean, I think he was like sixth worst in the league in screen pass accuracy over the last couple of years 
He doesn't have the arm talent to drive the ball down the field. He doesn't throw a good wet ball. Like there, He has a lot of problems in regards to just throwing a football, which is the most basic aspect, right, of being a quarterback. Like, you have to be able to throw a football if you want to be a quarterback. But yet, he's been to a Super Bowl. He was close to getting his team to another Super Bowl this year. So he wins games. And I will just always continue to go back to what I was told by a very, very wise man many years ago in the NFL. And he said, more games are lost than they are won. And if you have a quarterback that continues to lose games, lose you games, you have to you have to get away from that person as quickly as possible. Like you cannot allow that person to run your offense anymore. And and that's what the Indianapolis Colts did. They said, we cannot allow Carson Wentz to lose games for us anymore. We, he is too big of a liability for this talented football team, and we have to move on at all costs. Even if it means starting somebody like, I mean, hell, I, even, even if it costs them starting a rookie quarterback this year. Like, maybe they just go and draft Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati, right, with their, with their second-round pick that they have. And he starts. I'm again. This is all hyperbole and and very much uh, you know just speculation here. I don't honestly think that they would start Desmond Ritter uh, in, in in Indianapolis. They should have better options than that. But regardless, I mean the only guy really that we know of that's available that's a legitimate starter is Jimmy Garoppolo. And again, Indianapolis doesn't have the draft capital to be able to to make a trade for him. So we'll see. We'll keep an eye on that kind of stuff uh, as it comes up. Not a whole lot of other news going on in the NFL. There were, um, you know, there was some, you know, some goodbyes and things like that. Some players were cut. Um, there was, uh, I know that, like, you know, the, what the Seahawks got rid of Bobby Wagner. They, they released Bobby Wagner and um, some other things. And there's just, you know, a few other little things going on. Not a whole lot going on in the NFL. But I just, you know, it's, I feel like, you know, people are always saying that, oh, the balance of powers in the AFC, AFC, AFC. Who's won the last two world championships? Who's won the last two Super Bowls, right? NFC. <laughs> so, and before that, the NFC was in firm control of the Super Bowl until Patrick Mahomes made some magic happen and uh, ended up claiming one for the AFC. So I, I understand that on the surface it looks like the AFC is the dominant power, but, again, you get into a head up, you know, heads-up matchup, and you know, I mean, Cincinnati emerged from the AFC, this this all powerful AFC, the likes of Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes and all this, and the team that emerged was the Cincinnati Bengals. Okay, now are we are we thinking that the Baltimore Ravens aren't going to be as good? Uh, are, are the Ravens are going to be as you know much better? They're going to be as good as they were two years ago, as opposed to what they what we saw last year because they were without their starting quarterback for quite some time and all of the injuries that took place in Baltimore, sure, I think they're an improved team. What does Pittsburgh look like? Well, who's going to be quarterbacking their team? I mean, that's that's the big question right now in Pittsburgh, obviously. So the AFC has a lot of room for improvement also. There are some – and look, it happens every year. Half of the teams that make the playoffs don't make it the following year, and there's a new slew of, of playoff teams the following season. You know, and we have to figure out who those teams are going to be, who's out, who's in. And right now, it's a very difficult proposition to make. Very difficult because all of the playoff teams from last year are still looking pretty damn good. And people can say what they want about uh, the likes of, of San Francisco if they're going to move on from Jimmy Garoppolo and go to a Trey Lance, who's a, you know a rookie who sat on the, you know, on the bench for one season and didn't even get off the bench for the final half of the season. He, I mean, they just kept him 
uh, kept him on the sidelines there and let Jimmy G do his thing for all the snaps there. And, you know, they're, they're going to, you know, they're going to lose a few guys here and there. So is everybody. But nonetheless, it, it, you know, people are like, oh, well, maybe San Francisco's, you know, kind of on the outs. Well, Vegas would tell you differently. The odds on the San Francisco 49ers to win the NFC have actually gone up in the last couple of days. Like, they're now becoming more of a favorite to win the NFC now that Russell Wilson is out of the NFC West and that that balance of power has shifted a little bit more in favor of the AFC. It's going to be a lot tougher for AFC teams to even get into the playoffs. And as you know, all you got to do is get in. Just get in. Find any way to get in and then play your best ball and see what happens. So um, as good as the AFC is, I still think that the NFC is going to be the most compelling conference in football this upcoming season just because it's, you know, it's, it's going to be wide open. It really, I mean, it really is wide open. We don't know what's going to happen in the NFC. What are the, what, you know, the Packers are, are going to be the dominant team most likely in the NFC with Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams returning. And if they get some healthy players back, then yeah, sure. They're, I mean, they're, they're going to be the dominant force in the NFC. But we know what kind of transgressions they have when it comes to the postseason. Even if they get to play at home. The St. Louis Rams, or the St. Louis Rams, Los Angeles Rams, I just, I literally, something just came up on my screen that said St. Louis, and it just came out. So, my apologies. The Los Angeles Rams, uh, I mean, uh, the defending champs, obviously, is, I mean, Von Miller already flirting with Denver again. He's already started to flirt with going back to Denver. Posted on his, I was either Twitter or Instagram or something like that. Like, something about something like, oh, it sure would be nice to go back. Like, (laughs) okay. So, you know, he's he's obviously looking at, at maybe making a return to Denver. Um, you know, Matthew Stafford going to continue to be great. What do they do with OBJ? They're going to get Robert Woods back. Uh, there are There's like a 50-50 split. I think 50% of the people in, you know, in, the, in the NFL or around the cover or whatever, the talking heads, people like me, think that the St. – yeah, I did it again. The Los Angeles Rams. I'm old school, man. The Los Angeles Rams should l- let OBJ go. And the other half think that they should re-sign him. I personally think they should re-sign him. I don't want them to because he came on as more of a force later in the season once he got comfortable and more confident in that offense. And with Matthew Stafford, I don't want to see OBG there. He, an extremely talented wide receiver, and just given a little stability, it just goes to show you how much instability there is in Cleveland. I mean, he went there at the top of his game in his prime and couldn't catch a football. And then he goes to Los Angeles and if he doesn't get hurt in the second in the second quarter of that Super Bowl he's probably looking at the MVP award cuz he was cooking like he they couldn't cover him so uh if they get rid of OBJ I'm totally fine with that that's that's fine with me uh but I I I'm of the belief that the Rams should re-sign Odell Beckham Jr and just try to run it back try to try to get that back to back before everybody leaves because it's coming it's coming real quick for for the Rams they're going to lose that entire roster real soon. So why not win a couple, of, try to get a back-to-back job going and, uh, and see if you can run it back this year and win it again. That's, just, that's my thoughts. Obviously, that's probably their thoughts as well, but money and all this other stuff ensues. So there's that big obstacle of that salary cap thing, that, that pesky salary cap that Major League Baseball doesn't have to deal with. Oh, but never mind, they're not playing games anyway, so it doesn't even really matter. God, I'm bummed about that. All right, we'll come back. Well, actually, we'll talk about that next because 
uh, you know, I gave my thoughts yesterday. Once again, MLB suspended more games this year, postponed more games for this upcoming season. We'll talk about the current status of Major League Baseball. We'll come back. We'll put a bright red, big bright red shiny bow on today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. That's next right here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Man, another day with no baseball. And uh, Rob Manfred, Major League Baseball Commissioner, has postponed another set of games and now says that uh, basically opening day won't occur until at least April the 14th at the very, very earliest. Um, and, and here, and like, here's the real issue. And uh, like, this is, this is what major league baseball is facing. This is the problem that we're, that we're looking directly in the face right now. Either the union is going to have to completely cave. Okay. For this thing to come to an end, or the owners are going to just have to essentially win, win over. I mean, they're, they're going to have to, uh, you know, say, okay, you know, we're just going to move on with the season, and uh, you know we'll not cave to you know whatever it is, but basically the owners have already won this thing, and it's 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 difficult for me to explain. But the real problem is this: the negotiations began with the players' association, the players' union wanting X. Okay, that has now changed, where they said, okay, we were willing to make, um, you know. Not, I don't want to say small, but like just making gains within the structure of the current CBA that the owners did not find acceptable. So now the players are playing hardball. That okay, well now we're going to throw some numbers at you. These are the numbers that we're asking for, and the owners are dug in and they're saying no. You know, we told you no the first time when you asked us just to make simple gains in this in this whole process. You know. Uh, you know, in, in the whole uh, structure of, of everything that's going on, you know, it, it would be like people think that the players threw out hard numbers. Like we want, you know, free agency after four years and an extra $4 million. That's not how it went. They, they basically, I mean, it, it literally a situation where we would like more. We would like you to present your opinion of what more is. And the owners were like, we're not giving you more. <laughs> not – they weren't even willing to discuss what their more looks like. So now Major League Baseball has fired back, or you know, the, the Players Association has fired back, and they're now saying, okay, well, here's the numbers that we find acceptable. And the numbers are not even that – like, I, I, when I saw the numbers, I'm like, this is the problem here? Like, this is what we're squabbling over? I mean – it's and there's a huge gap between what the owners find acceptable and what the players are finding acceptable. And the problem is I feel like that gap is widening each day as they continue to despise one another more and more. And the the you know the the I guess the the anger is coming from the players side because they feel slighted and they they negotiated a bad deal last time out and they you know look they get what they deserve. They they didn't they didn't, you know, figure things out well enough for themselves the last time. So now they're trying to, to make things better this time, which is well within their rights. But 
and I get it. The, you know, the owners are like, well, you know, you've been working this system, and you, it was fine before. Why isn't it fine now? The players have realized that there needs to be change, and the owners are like, no, we're we're good the way it is right now. Just sign the deal, and the players are like, no. So it's, I, I don't like I said, I don't expect there to be a 2022 season. I really don't. I would be surprised if they play games this year in Major League Baseball, and that's just sad. That is going to wrap things up for today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. We'll see you guys again tomorrow morning. Thanks to Mary back in the studio. And stay right here to 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Thanks for listening to the Jeff Dean Show, Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. Jeff will be back tomorrow morning at 7 on ESPN Tucson. From the Casino del Sol studio, the soul of Tucson, this is ESPN Tucson. KFFN Tucson. KWCX Tanka Verde. KMXZ HD4 Tucson.